You're listening to Investify, preaching financial independence and assisting investors to achieve a more flexible and free lifestyle through smart financial planning and real estate investing. If leaving the corporate world and jumping into this thriving industry is what you desire, tune in and listen to stories of like-minded individuals who made the leap to financial independence. What's going on, everybody? You are listening to Invest to Friday. My name is Craig Carlop, aka the Fire Guy, and we are bringing you some good information today. If you haven't noticed, co-living and rent by the room strategies are taking over. It almost feels like it's the flavor of the year in 2024 because with high interest rates and prices not really coming down like we were expecting. The monthly payment is getting higher for investors in the typical find a duplex, a triplex, or a quad and rent it out the normal way. It's getting tougher and tougher to actually cash flow. And this problem exaggerated by increased rents and in not increased salaries at the same rate. And so it's causing an affordability problem in a lot of major cities around the US. And so in Denver in particular, we're seeing a lot of our clients having trouble cash flow. We're seeing a lot of people that we know that maybe aren't landlords having trouble finding places to rent at a decent price. And so people have found this win of where they're buying five, six, seven bedroom homes. They're living in one room or not living in one room, just buying it as an investment property and actually renting out the rooms individually to people just like them to create a type of community to actually cash flow in this environment so they can still reap the benefits of cash flowing real estate in a high appreciating area, get all the tax benefits and all that good stuff as well. And so I've been doing this now since since before it was cool, I guess. I've been doing it since 2018 is when I bought my first one. And at that time, there wasn't really any sort of like mass movement towards it. And I just threw some rooms up on Facebook Marketplace and, and it worked. But as more and more people catch on, you're going to have to get a little bit more creative. You're going to have to become better than everybody else and provide a better product for the same price than everybody else. And, and we've definitely figured out how to do that. However, in this podcast, I'm going to dispel the nine myths of co-living that you'll probably hear. A lot of times people poo co-living because they, for pretty much these nine reasons that I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to actually debunk every single one of them one by one. And so number one, everybody needs their own bathroom. This is just simply not the case. In co-living, people are understanding that they are paying an extreme discount. For example, they might get a room for eight to $900 a month in Denver, Colorado. You cannot find a decent place to live for eight to 900 bucks a month. And that eight to 900 bucks a month is going to get you a very nice kitchen, a nice backyard, potentially even a garage if you wanna pay a little extra, a nice bathroom in a nice area. The only downside is that you've gotta share the kitchen and maybe the bathroom with one or two other people. Most people understand that and are okay making that sacrifice. I've been renting rooms out for a long time. I've never once had the issue of someone needing their own bathroom in order to rent the house out. And if they did, I don't remember it because I just easily found somebody else that didn't care. And of course, there are a lot of houses that have master bedrooms with their private baths. You can rent those out at a premium and people can still have their own bathroom in many cases. But for those other houses, if it's a three bed, two bath, you're gonna have at least two, maybe even three people to one bathroom. That's okay. People are okay doing that. Myth number two, everybody needs their own parking spot. So one thing that we look for is parking. Of course, the more parking spots a driveway can offer, the better. The bigger the garage, if there's an extra shop in the back, if there's an alleyway where there's extra parking, 
That is ideal, of course. However, many times it is, is very much okay to park on the street. You'll need to look for HOAs. In this case, it may not be. So one thing that we always do is we'll drive the neighborhood or we'll go on Google Maps and just simply do a, a little walkthrough with that little guy on Google Maps and see, are there cars parked on the street? If there's cars parked on the street, then it's probably okay for your roommates to park on the street as well. So typically we can fit two or three people in the driveway, two or three people on the street. And so you can easily fit six people in front of the house. If you're on a corner lot, you can probably fit seven or eight. And oftentimes the neighbors don't really care as long as you're not blocking their driveway or blocking their mailbox or their trash or whatever, you're not impeding on them. They're not gonna care. Oftentimes we just suggest people park in that spot that's between houses. So both parties think it's the other house that's parked there. No one really cares. Myth number three, having roommates equals big parties and destructions of your home. Also not true. I think most people, when they're thinking about co-living and living with a bunch of people in one house, they go back to their college days where you're playing beer pong, you're playing flip cup, you're doing keg stands, putting holes through the walls, just getting hammered with your friends and just doing total debauchery. I can tell you that most of that stuff stays in college. Once people graduate, their mind kind of shifts where now they're usually waking up early, they're going to bed early, they're trying to go to work. And when they're home, they just want a quiet place to kick back and relax. And so most people, when they come home, they're either going to just hang out in a casual environment with the other roommates, which would be ideal, or they just go home and go to their rooms. They play their video games, they read their book, they do their arts and crafts, whatever it is, but it's within the confines of their room and they just want a place to go relax to. So again, never once have I had a problem with big parties consistently at our rent by the room or co-living properties. Myth number four is fighting roommates. A lot of people, a lot of landlords think they're gonna end up becoming like a mom or dad to, to a bunch of brothers and sisters when they have a bunch of people living in the same house. Again, just not the case. I think a lot of it goes into the marketing of the property. We try to find people with similar interests, group them together, because people with similarities tend to get along better. They tend to become friends more. And when those people become friends, they tend to want to stay longer. And so we really try to make sure that we're, we're providing a, a product, providing a home for very similar people so they'll be friends and they won't fight. And so I won't say that we've never ha not had fights. I'm sure we have. Nothing really comes on the top of my head when I'm thinking about it. So I don't think it was that major. And that's why we also, if there is ever a big problem, one of the roommates is usually okay with moving out. You just allow them to move out and you've quickly replaced the room. So fighting roommates are really not as big of a problem as you think it is. Number five, tenants can't afford rent. This is just not true, right? Obviously there's a lot of, if people are renting a room, there's two reasons. They're either trying to save money and they're trying to get ahead or they just simply can't afford a place to live. I know that I was renting a room for quite a long time because not that I couldn't afford my own place, because I was very, I really wanted to save money to buy my first house hack. And this was, of course, quite a few years ago. There's going to be a lot of people in that same position. And those people that are self-motivated, they're sacrificing today for a better tomorrow. Those are people that you want in your place. And people that can't, that can't afford it and they're trying to get a cheaper place, oftentimes it means they're making a responsible decision by again, trying to get a lower rent amount so they can just afford it. And so they can pay rent because if they're not, if they didn't expect to pay rent, don't you think they'd probably be looking for a more expensive place? And so obviously we're going to also make sure that their credit report is good. Their previous landlord history is good to really nip that whole situation in the bud to make sure that the tenants absolutely can pay rent and will pay it on time. I don't think I've ever had an issue with a tenant not paying rent 
in my entire history of doing this. And a big reason to do that as well is by just making sure that every tenant is set up on auto pay. You don't want to be chasing people down for rent every month. You want it just to be automatic payments into your bank account. No thought, no question. It's a big part of their bill. Number six, managing a rent by room property is a nightmare. I will say it is harder than managing a traditional rental property, right? You are dealing with five or six other people, but the reward is so much greater. In Denver, you can probably get $1,000 to $1,500 more per month in a four or five bedroom house renting it out by the room than you would renting it out traditionally. And so I'd say, and it's not that bad as long as you've got the systems and stuff in place. Most tenants and members need to give you 60 days notice before leaving. So once they give you that 60 days, you've got 60 days to fill that room. You better fill that room in the next 60 days. You've got 60 days to do it, right? And so um, that's really the biggest part. And then of course, you have to handle your maintenance request. You would do that for other property management anyway. And a lot of people also think that there's going to be a lot more maintenance requests because of all the people living together. There's going to be a lot more wear and tear and stuff like that. But really... It's not. Do you think, would you rather have a group of 20, 30-year-old adults living together or a family with five or six-year-old kids? Who do you think is more destructive? The five or six-year-old kids are going to be, you're going to have crayon on your walls. They're going to be puking and pooping and peeing everywhere, all that kind of stuff. Whereas people in their 20s or 30s, they can be messy, right? But it's nothing that they're not going to write on the walls, right? It's nothing that a quick clean can't really fix. Number seven, the seventh myth of co-living is your vacancy increases because people, it's just not long-term. You're probably not going to have your 10, 20-year tenant like you might for a long-term rental. And that is, in fact, very true. You probably aren't, but it does not mean your vacancy is going to increase. And let me tell you why. When one person moves out of a traditional rental, the entire place is vacant. With rent by the room, if one person moves out, you're going to have one-fifth or one-sixth of a place vacant. That's the equivalent, like having one month of vacancy as a single room is the equivalent of having a week, less than a week of vacancy for an entire unit. And you've got 60 days again to fill that room. And so vacancy actually, what I've found actually decreases, again, unless you find that perfect 20 or 30 year tenant. But if so, you, if you do have that 10, 20, 30 year tenant, you're probably giving them a pretty steep discount in order to stay there because you like them. And so vacancy does not really increase. Your turnover increases for sure. There's going to be a little bit more added work to get those rooms filled. However, I would say that your vacancy actually decreases in rent by the room. Number eight, a lot of people think people who live in co-living spaces don't have any privacy. Again, just they have less privacy for sure, but they, don't, they still have their own private bedrooms that they're going to go back to. They're going to rest their heads in they're going to sleep in. And so they, if they want privacy, they absolutely have it. They can go to their bedroom doors lock. Only they can get in to their own bedrooms. And so they absolutely have privacy and they just, they just can't walk around the main areas naked, but they can walk around the room naked as much as they want. And again, no one can come into those rooms. They're locked and sealed. And number nine is some people are really reluctant to have pets. And I've heard this a lot is what if people are allergic, right? And I would argue that there are probably more people who have pets then there are people who are allergic to pets. So you've got people who have pets and you've got people who don't care. And maybe they, they enjoy having a dog in the house and they want to pet it and all that. But they don't care to actually take care of it. And so pets, in my opinion, are actually okay because I think you actually take away more people by not allowing them. And this depends on your area, right? In Denver, for example, everyone and their mother seems to have a dog. And if they don't have a dog, they probably have a cat. 
And so as long as the, the, the owner is responsible for all for their own pet, they're going to pay an additional rent fee, they're going to pay a non-refundable deposit, and they are responsible for any damages the pet makes, then you are okay. I don't have specific statistics on this, but I truly believe there are more people that are not allergic to cats or dogs than there are people who are. And I think you're really, by not allowing pets, I think you're really eliminating a massive pool of people as well as some additional rent. Now, I do think you should limit the amount of pets in a house because if you've got a six or seven bedroom house and then there's six or seven dogs in there, that can get a bit crazy. You got to worry about dogs fighting with each, other, with each other as well as the humans. And I think you need to make limit it to one, two, maximum three pets per house and make sure that it's in your lease, in your agreement to make sure that they are picking up after their animals. The, the kitty litter box needs to be cleaned daily. Dog poop in the yard needs to be cleaned up immediately. All the stuff needs to be cleaned up and, and you need to have ramifications if it doesn't, right? 50 bucks for every piece of dog poop that you have to hire someone to clean up. Or if you're living in the house, 50 bucks for every piece of dog poop you have to clean up. Same thing with the kitty. If the kitty litter box starts smelling bad and other people are complaining about it, charge a fee, clean the litter box, get that smell out of there. And so there's ways that you're going to have to handle it and you're going to learn different iterations along the way, but that's it. And so these are the nine myths of co-living. I'm going to go run through them all really quick again. Number one, everyone needs their own bathroom. Not true. Everyone needs their own parking spot. Not true. Roommates equals big parties. Definitely not true. Fighting roommates can happen, usually does not. And because it's a usually does not, I'm going to say not true. Five, tenants can't afford rent. You're going to figure that out in the screening process. Number six, managing it as a nightmare. It's a little harder, but it's far off from a nightmare. Number seven, vacancy increases. It actually decreases because you're only going to be one-fifth or one-sixth vacant when you have someone turning over. Co-living equals no privacy. There is lots of privacy because they are going to have their own bedroom that is totally to them. And number nine, no pets allowed. Allow pets. You will really lower the amount of people that will be allowed in the place and you're sacrificing for a lesser group of people. And so, yeah, so no pets allowed is another one that I think you should allow pets. And so that is it for the nine myths of co-living. If you are interested in co-living, you are interested in investing uh, with us or with one of our properties in Denver, make sure you go to the fiteam.com slash work with us. We'd be happy to work with you. We'll set up a call with either me or potentially one of our agents. And again, we're, we're here to help you. We're here to guide you mm -hmm. through the investment process. We're here to, we're not here to sell you anything, right? We're, our mission at the Team is to help reduce the U.S. retirement age. Our goal is to get it from 65 to 55 by getting young people in their 20s and 30s to start investing in real estate, to start cash flowing, to start realizing this appreciation. So in five and 10 years, they can either sell it and put it in their index funds and retire. They can do what they want with their lives. They're not stuck behind a desk until they're 65. And so that's our mission. If you want to be part of it, go to thefiteam.com slash work with us. And that's work dash with dash us. Or just go to thefiteam.com, click on those links fill out the form and we'll be in touch with you in a very short period of time. So again, thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please also leave us a rating and review and we will talk to you all very soon.